following podcast is sponsored by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. I'm your host, Louis G. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling these classic NES and arcade games for you, the listener. Double Dragon, Ninja Gaiden, Super Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers 2, Mario Brothers 3, Donkey Kong, Rad Racer, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mega Man 2, RC Pro-Am, F1 Dream, Zelda 2, and Contra. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie every week and then try to determine which one is cooler, robots or dinosaurs. I'm your host, Louis G, and with me as always is my co-host, a new co-host every week. This week, I am talking to my friend, robot enthusiast, robo-fan, dino-fan. He streams on Twitch. He's an all-around good dude, Joe Rosa. Hello, Joe. Hello. <laughs> Dope. We got some robot sounds. We got some dinosaur sounds. Excellent. Joe, why don't you tell the listeners what movie we're going to be talking about today? Well, what a surprise that it's going to be The Wizard. The Wizard, the Wizard of Oz, uh, The Wiz. Which, which one? Oh, you know, The Wizard of Video Games. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. 1989, uh, the, uh, directed by Todd Holland, The Wizard, starring Fred Savage, Christian Slater. We got Bo Bridges, Jenny Lewis. Who else is in this movie? Oh, man. You know, as I was watching, I was trying to see, like, have I seen any of these guys from anywhere else? And I just I couldn't pinpoint anyone at all. Uh, <laughs> Bo Bridges is uh, an interesting one, because as soon as I saw him, I thought it was John Ritter for like two or three scenes. I thought this was John Ritter. <laughs> they have like the same eyes. He's one of those but guys he, that's in like a lot of things, but like you never remember what it is, but you know you've seen him a hundred times. And they're always like a dad or a stepdad. That's that's I think that's why I thought it was John Ritter. For you think his agent just calls him up, like, "Hey, you want to be a dad in a movie?" He's like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." <laughs> yeah, we've got a, a, a you know mid-teen drama about a broken family. Uh, <laughs> Bro, we're just like, "Yeah, no, I've got my uh, tan jacket. I'm I'm on my way. Don't worry." <laughs> yeah, he still has the hat from the wizard. He brings it everywhere he goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if um, I go through his IMDb, there's a lot of stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, he's in that, but like I haven't seen any of these things. Yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of credits, but like nothing really big, like that you can instantly recall. But he's, I think he's really good. I, mean, I think he's especially good in this in this movie. I think um, a lot of the actors in this movie, they're the synergy is just like they pick a really good cast. Yes. I couldn't imagine replacing any of them, especially with uh Bridges and the his his son. I don't I don't know his name. I always forget Christian his name. Slater. <laughs> Nick Woods in the movie. Their bond just evolves over time. It's like they just have a synergy. This is like they've picked up the phone, they called each other and there's just like, "Hey, what's up, man?" Like the conversation they pick up a conversation as if it's ended. And it comes up again. We're picking up where we left off. They don't skip a beat. They just go. They bond over video games at some point. Christian Slater just randomly hooks up a Nintendo to a TV, I think at a repair shop. And then the dad ends up getting hooked on it later. At first, he he kind of criticizes him for wasting his time with these video games. But then he himself gets hooked on, uh, in particular, he gets hooked on Legend of Zelda 2. Yeah, he's point, like, oh, I'm, in the, I'm at the end of the palace. Yeah, it's I like, got past the river demon. He, he's so <laughs> against video games, but he's the one who who bought it now he's hooked on it randomly 
Yep. So, okay, Joe, you introduced yourself. I introduced you as a, as a Robo fan, as a Dino fan. Uh, you actually, well, you introduced yourself with that excellent, excellent sound effect, <laughs> encapsulating both. Um, tell me, before we get into this movie, I have two questions that I just want you to answer. What is a robot? Oh, wow. Wow. A robot is just like, it's like a little boy's fantasy. Growing up as an anime, it's just like Gundam, Astro Boy. Like it could save the world. It can produce stuff in the world. It could destroy the world, which we've seen in a lot of stuff. The robot is just the brains of a human in metal and just go going. The brains of a human in metal. That's so Yeah, it sounds like you're you're saying like there's endless possibilities with a robot. You never you never know like how far a robot can go. Growing up, you had like what two XL, the little bear robot that like t- read the book along with you, Teddy Ruxpin. Teddy, yeah, and it was just so basic. And now you look at toys in the store. It's like that's a, the robot can do what now? And it's just like it, it's a never it, it never ends. It's like the never ending story, but with a robot. Yo, that's a good, <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, we were talking about previous episode, we were talking about the Mars rover. And I had put a question to to my guest that week about if, if, if a robot could understand the concept of a wish, because we've seen in a few sci-fi movies where a robot gets a chance to wish for something. Mm-hmm. What would a robot wish for? And usually in sci-fi movies, the answer is it would wish to be human. It would, it would wish, wish to be, to be human. Have some sort of human experience. And I feel like that's very egotistical. And we were discussing, what do you think the Mars rover would, would dream about or wish for? Oh, wow. I think he just wants to come home. I would imagine he wishes like he could just come home, put his briefcase up, put his jacket off, take his little hat off and just like <laughs> just see his wife and kids. I think that's what he wants. He's like, like Wally. <laughs> like he's been up there for so long and he's just dirty and broken down i think he just wants to date like a, a spa day <laughs> interesting we we went um my guest and i that on that episode we went in a very different direction we thought well once he's done exploring mars you know that's what he's limited to he has he has tires and you know a solar powered body he can only traverse the terrain on mars so maybe what he would wish for it would wish for is what if I could explore a gas planet? What could, what if I could go further out into the solar system? I think that it would not wish for human things, but I do think it's interesting that part of your definition is that um, robots are very human-like and have human ambitions, like saving the world or potentially human, what's the, op- well, I guess it's still an ambition, but ending the world, you know, so yeah. villain ambitions. It almost feels um, like every time you hear about uh, him on Mars, it almost has like human aspects when you read the story, like how they describe him. And it's just, that's why I'm thinking like this, this dude's been up there. He needs to like relax. Like, yeah, he, he wants to go to, yeah, he wants to go to another adventure, but like, how long has he been up there? He needs to, he needs to go home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think either way, I'd be interested to know for firsthand from the robot like what would it wish for <laughs> so you another interesting thing that you said in there was a gundam i, I have some questions about gundam because i've never really gotten an, into exploring gundam myself in my understanding a gundam is like a mech suit that you're inside of and i guess it like responds to your movements and your controls as as like a human inside of it is that true i would i would yeah i would say that's about it I think it's. Can it, I think it's more advanced than like a Power Ranger Megazord. How so? 
Can it operate without you inside it? I don't even remember. I, I want to say it can. I don't even remember. Hmm. I haven't seen Gundam in so long. I want to say they could because they have the bad robots. And I don't think there's people in the bad robots. They have those green robots. I forget what they're called. They're kind of like the silly putties where it's just like they're mindless yeah. drones. <laughs> I want to say they're like drones. Yeah. So I, I would, ass- I would assume so. Go- the Goombas of robots. <laughs> <laughs> Walking off cliffs. <laughs> Okay. So my question, my second question to you, what is a dinosaur? Oh boy. What are dinosaurs? Hmm. You know, I thought I used to know what dinosaurs were until I watched the last Jurassic Park film that came out. And I was like, I don't want to know anything about dinosaurs anymore because (laughs) you you guys ruined dinosaurs for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for full coverage, you can check out Robots vs. Dinosaurs second episode where we cover Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in its entirety. That movie, man, just <laughs> it's a wild ride. I don't I don't even think it's, it's a wild bonkers. ride. It's just like I grew up with like we, we grew up in the 80s and 90s. We had dinosaurs were everywhere. We had the mm-hmm. toys, they were in movies. I remember growing up watching We're Back and I was like, I love dinosaurs. They're so cool. These kids are running around New York with dinosaurs. I was like, I want a dinosaur. And now Jurassic Park is like, you know, you don't, you don't want these. You're, you don't want those. <laughs> yeah, they, won't, they don't mix well with us. <laughs> we don't want them around. They're just gonna destroy everything. Can so, I ask you a question? Yes, please. If you walked outside right now, what would you rather see outside? Robots walking around doing like, you know, whatever. Maybe there's some evil ones or just wild dinosaurs. Easy question. It's the robots for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to go camping. Just like instead of bears, just a dinosaur. (laughs) No, listen, I, I, uh, Joe, this is a very good question. I, I, like you, imagined a possible future where I could have a pet dinosaur one day where I could, you know, ride dinosaurs. I I can't even ride a horse. If I needed to ride a horse... I would not be able to if I if there was some weird action uh, movie setting that I found myself in where the only escape or the only possibility was to charge forward on a horse. What if I told I, you we spared no expense? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so if a dinosaur just suddenly showed up, man, if I had to compete with it in any way or if I had to try to tame it, I'd be at a loss. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> like people like one good story is in my town, a deer got into like it broke the glass in a uh, old Navy and got into old Navy while it was open. Oh no! People freaked out over a deer. Imagine like any type of dinosaur just being anywhere. You would, you would, do we yeah. even have cars? Like, yeah, even <laughs> you get even dinosaur insurance. Yes. <laughs> I can't come not. to work. I hit a dinosaur today. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah ter- a pterodactyl uh, made off with my cat I, I, i'm sorry <laughs> worried about seagulls eating your fries on the beach <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i don't honestly i don't want to live in the world where we're first adapting to living with dinosaurs i do want to live in the world of dinotopia or of dino riders where we've put metal saddles on them where we've tr- basically turned them into like mecha cyborgs or gundams that we can pilot yeah i want to live in that <laughs> very rad 90s cartoon world i think the closest thing i've come to like a dinosaur you know you know growing up you you touch like you know those models and stuff that they have like the theme parks and such but uh vr is getting like really wild with stuff Mm. and i did go to dave and busters where they had the jurassic park 
Fallen Kingdom VR. Okay. It, it basically gives you like a the controllers and like I think you're taking pictures of the dinosaurs in the Fallen Kingdom, and it looked very real. Like I felt like I could probably touch it. It was like this is as close as I want to come to a dinosaur in the real world. That's as close as I want to be. Virtual aspect that's tricking my mind, and it's not real because I don't want to take it off and go. Oh yeah, there actually are dinosaurs. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny is you're technically inside of a robot having this experience. A robot is making it possible. Right. The AI is just like, we win again. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Because you're not putting a dinosaur skull on your head and going, oh, going into VR right now. It's... (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? That was the original VR before we had that. Um, You know, just a caveman putting that on his head and being like, I'm a dinosaur. uh, (laughs) And scaring another one. Another So so I guess it's safe to say like this game, this uh, VR game that you played was more entertaining for you than the movie Fallen Kingdom? I would say absolutely. I I think if Fallen Kingdom was more of a 3D experience, like a ride, I think Mm -hmm. that was the better aspect of that. So what if they, you said this was as close as you'd want to get to a dinosaur. What if they took this experience, this VR experience, one step further, and they did like the 4D movie experience? I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) They pumped smells in and it just smelled like dinosaurs. (laughs) I, I would be about that, you know, a little yeah. stinky and, you know, it's, you know, I forget where I was, where I went to like a Jurassic Park theme where it's like, you're kind of in Jurassic Park and like mm. they had the dung there and like you put your hand in it, even though it's like rubber and stuff, but you put your hand in there. And it's like, Ugh, I have to find a picture. I'll send it to you. But like, please do. I'll link that, to it. That was an experience, <laughs> but I want the VR more than the hands on <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not desperate to go digging through uh, piles of dinosaur dung, but but I w- but it, I wouldn't turn down the opportunity. Right, honestly, if, if it's if, fake, but if it's if it like presented it's, to me. Yeah. <laughs> If it was real, I'd be like, Ooh. I have one more question in general yes. before we start talking about this movie. What is a wizard? Oh, like a wizard for this movie? Or I'm a wizard? Asking, oh. Joe, I'm just asking a question. <laughs> what is a wizard? Well, if we're going to define wizard, we're going to define wizard for this movie where, okay. hmm, how, how, oh, how? <laughs> the wizard in this movie is, is like some kind of magical being to be doing all this stuff because throughout the movie they are so blown away that this kid is getting these high scores in these games is he magic is he a freak but then they use a lot of terms like one of the reasons why to watch this movie was because you know there's a dinosaur at the end but they do call him a cyborg because they believe this guy is a cyborg. Uh, yes, I wrote that down. Some of the what they call video heads, which are like the bullies that hang out in diners <laughs> yes. and arcades across America, challenging kids to video games for money and then beating them up afterwards and taking back their money. They're called video heads, at least in the world of this movie. One of them says, what is this kid? Some kind of cyborg? So definitely we have arguably at least two robots in this movie. He's like- a cyborg. A Penn and Teller type or uh, yes, David Blaine. Like he's pulling tricks, but he's not doing anything. It's just everyone thinks he's doing some kind of magic, putting like a, a blanket over that. What you're saying about the video heads, it's like they lose the bet. And it's like, no, you cheated. You, it's mm-hmm. like you must have been using magic or something. Like that is the wizard to me. It's just... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's inconceivable how he's getting yeah. these scores, which I, I, I actually, I, I would uh, argue he might be some sort of time wizard because there is a scene where he's playing Double Dragon for about three minutes. And in that time, he gets a score of 50,000. And and Fred Savage is shocked about this. And 50,000? You got 50,000 to Double Dragon? Yeah, this is pretty much what kickstarts their journey. I, have you played Double Dragon? I have. I don't think it's possible to get 50,000 <laughs> points in that short of amount of yeah, time. Just, you know, thinking about it, I probably should have played it for this podcast to see if it's yeah. possible. <laughs> we should do like a little test run, like how fast does it take Ooh. to get 50,000? I'm going to, let's put a pin in that. Let's create a challenge. Let's, let's put that to the listeners. If you can prove us wrong, show us your video of you getting a high, uh, to 50,000 in Double Dragon and, and time it. Let's see how long it takes you to do it. Joe, are you, are you going to take this challenge? I'm going to take this challenge. We're not going to move oh. magic it. We're, you know, <laughs> we're all of a sudden it's 32,000. All of a sudden it's 50,000. Like. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I w- I'm very curious to see the results <laughs> of this. Awesome. We are going to follow up on this in a, in a future episode. In the next episode, we're going to have the answer for this. Awesome. So, okay. I'm, I'm not, it, it, this is one of the weird details of this movie in general to me it is the games that they picked. For this is very much a kid's idea of a video game competition because you've probably like had friends over and like you just have a new game and you both want to play it and it doesn't matter if it's a one player game you're gonna like figure out a way to turn it into a two player game to turn the, it two into play, the, the two player right? aspect is who can get the highest score right right nowadays a lot of multiplayer games you're playing at the same time you're either like a a cooperative campaign or you're playing a fighting game of some sort where you're trying to eliminate each other a shooting game or trying to eliminate each other at the same time but yeah this is classic multiplayer gaming in this movie where you're alternating whose turn it is you're watching each other play and seeing who gets a higher score on their turn you're building up that own comp you have one controller and you're building up an imaginary competition between yourself and whoever's next to you based on the scoreboard and like Mm -hmm. everyone wants their name up on there and what's funny is or not funny but just interesting or uh, fascinating in this movie is the the list of games that they choose because a lot of them are like adventure games games that technically you do get a score in and i just have never played them from the perspective of trying to get a higher score it's always like i'm just trying to complete the adventure i will say there is the one scene where lucas plays you know i know we're getting a little far ahead but he plays rad racer and i Mm -hmm. went to yesterday's to retro arcade where you pay hourly to play whatever games they have. They did have Rad Racer there and I did play it. And that game is so easy. It was easy for me <laughs> as a kid. It's easy now. And I was like, they made them look like a fool. Cause like Lucas is like, oh, I'm so good. I'm so good. And like Rad Racer is not that hard. It's the one he uses the power glove. The power glove? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should have, I should have taken a picture of my score. I got to the second checkpoint, you know, like these show a little tidbit what he did, but like that game's not hard to begin with. Well, maybe, maybe that's why he uses the power glove because it like makes it harder with the power glove. So it was like... <laughs> because the power glove doesn't actually work to the way exactly. they show it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like an extra challenge for himself. Okay, so yes, this movie, some of the people call, they call Jimmy a lot. Of, they call him a wizard. They call him a cyborg. They, I, I want to be very delicate about this. They call him a lot of names. They call him a lot of things. They describe him in a lot of different ways. And I'm going to just say up front, I'm not qualified in any way to diagnose somebody, whether or not they're like on the spectrum, anything that this movie is sort of circling around when when adults are talking about Jimmy. Um, Did you pick up on like the way adults kind of talk about him? 
they almost want to say it and and it's like the director is like waving his hands like no 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 it's a it's a nintendo it's for kids don't don't say that and it's just they want to say he has something but then they change the conversation or say no my son's not like that this this and that but you can tell at the same time it also could be because of the trauma he had not necessarily a mental issue yeah, the movie itself doesn't doesn't exactly land on an answer. But I did sort of keep track of like different ways that people talked about Jimmy and some of them less kind than others. So in some scenes, they call them like brainless. Haley even. Haley I do like as a character, but she does at one point say uh, he's shy a few bricks, which kind of ties into this theme of uh, one of the teachers, uh, one of his teachers early in the movie says he has a fixation with buildings. He's always stacking things and she thinks he's searching for a way to express himself. So Someone else, I think a doctor describes him as a heavily traumatized boy. Someone else calls him a space case. So it's kind of like it's all over the map. They, but, they they show him building with the bricks, I believe, after the cops bring him back and it's the mom and the stepdad having right, the conversation yeah. what to do with him next to put him in institution. And then the second time he builds is like more more in the middle towards the end when like they kind of get robbed. He's building mm-hmm. with the, the popcorn. Yes. And Fred Savage is very concerned when this happens. And he says he builds these things. That means he he hasn't gotten better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from his perspective, his brother is, there's something wrong with him. And like I said, you know, I want I wanted to approach this delicately. Like the movie, some characters are very callous about it. And some characters, especially the ones close to him, either are very kind to him or they like grow towards him. They grow to like be kinder to him. Right. And this is, I think, a very honest time capsule of 1989. And like the way that people probably would have approached a kid like this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For good or bad. I, I feel like if they made this movie now, I think they kind of would have bullied Jimmy more. Mm. But they've done the respectful thing of making another character to be bullied. Fred Savage's character is the one who's protecting Jimmy no matter what. He takes the punch from when he's trying to get the lunchbox back. Yeah. Yeah, that, that lunchbox is introduced very, very early on in the movie as a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. It's actually, I always like seeing what the opening shot of a movie looks like. I like paying attention to that because it, to me, it's like the filmmaker's way of letting you know right away whose movie is this? Whose point of view are we going to be taking throughout this movie? And it gives you that and, world building. And like, that's, yeah. such a, that's such a staple for like 80s and 90s movies. This, uh, the opening shot in particular is a very patient shot of just the kid with his lunch pail walking along the roadside with these desert hills in the background. I think it's in Utah. He's Oh, it definitely is. I definitely wrote that in my yeah. notes that Jimmy lives in Utah. Oh, nice. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember why i wrote that i think it was because they're like we're in utah we gotta get to california i was like it's very beautiful it's very picturesque and he's just sort of like walking very slowly towards the camera carrying that lunch pail and i noted just to just like mark this that the ending of the movie is a mirror of this shot it's it's uh this like the buick or whatever the the dad uh, bobridge's car or truck with Haley and Christian Slater and and the whole family and they're driving. Yeah, 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 it's like everything's okay now. Like everything's better. The family's together. Everything yeah. is settled and it's just like a happier scene. Yeah, it's a really, really nice little like artistic balance for the opening shot and the ending shot mirroring each other. Yeah, because I wrote down, they really called a helicopter to come find Jimmy. And it's <laughs> yep. like, this isn't the first time he's like wandered off, but it also yeah. makes me wonder why he can't 
personally say, hey, I want to do this thing. Because I also wrote down there should be a drinking game for anyone who's watched this movie of how many times they say the word California. <laughs> they say well, it a lot. Yes. And in succession. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of the few words that Jimmy says throughout the whole movie. He's very much silent. He very much just sort of reflects and, and responds to things. I wrote down just a few of, of the things that he says because there were so few. At one point, he tells Corey, I think Corey is ready to give up and, and thinks, I think it's when they meet Lucas. And he's like, you know, there's no way that we could win this tournament. And he says, Corey, I don't want to quit. I don't, I don't remember if that's like right after they got bullied or right yeah, I might be remembering the wrong place. Or before, because it is after Lucas, because he's discouraged that Lucas beat him. But Jimmy didn't even play to technically get beaten. It was just more of a showcase. Because mm. they were definitely in the movie, the outdoor movie theater, or the drive-in, I should say. Yeah, so, that was a cool setting. That was a really cool setting, yeah. like the drive-in theater field. Yeah, the bullies came, and then like, oh, we give up. And Haley's walking one way, Corey's running the other way, like, I don't want to give up, Corey. Oh my God, he said something else other than California. Mm. And like, they just come rushing back. Yeah, this is very much the Jane Silent Bob thing where right. he doesn't say much, so when he does, you pay attention, right? It's, it's profound when he says something. Everything's down in the dumps and it's like, hey, Silent Bob's got to say something to like keep everyone together and keep them going. Good performances all around though. The, the kid was very, really good. I think it's Luke, Luke Edwards. And he was very, very good. His silent performance, his reacting to things, just going with the flow a lot of yeah. times. And uh, one thing I also noted, it's like he kind of had this inner compass constantly driving him towards his goal. There's a point early on when he and Fred Savage stow away in a hostess truck. And <laughs> when it gets to wherever it's going, Jimmy just gets out and they show Fred Savage unfolding a map and looking at it. But Jimmy just starts walking. He just knows which way to go. And he just starts walking. He, he, for, yeah. For whatever reason, he just knows the direction to go to California. There's something just driving him towards this goal that he has, which uh, we, we can definitely talk about this openly, like what what ultimately we find inside of the lunchbox that he carries around with him and what this is all leading towards, because this is the, the dinosaur in this movie. Joe, tell us tell us about tell us about the dinosaur that appears in this movie. And and maybe this will lead into if you want to like I, I want to know why you picked this movie to review on this podcast. So <laughs> you're like, oh, what movie do you have to re want to review? And I was like, looking at stuff, I was like, oh man, you know what would be really cool to talk about? It's like Detroit Rock City. And you're like, it has to have robots and dinosaurs. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, uh, uh. And then the wizard is the first thing that popped in my head because the dinosaur, you know, it could have just been a small scene. It could just been a side thing. It's like, oh, the dinosaur, they passed by it. The dinosaur is so iconic in this movie. It is the end of the movie. It is Jimmy's goal is to get to that dinosaur and to bring that lunchbox with all the contents in there. It has so much value. It could have just been, like I said, it could have just been a dinosaur we saw in the side. And I was just like, hey, this movie has a dinosaur on the side. This is like the end point of the movie. Without this dinosaur, the movie doesn't end. <laughs> Yeah, that's very well said. This movie kind of tricked me almost in a way. Then that's really not the word I wanted to use there, but I'm going to try to find the right word because it strung me along for a while where I felt like, you know what, this is a this is very much a kids movie where the stakes are so low. The stakes are always low whenever they're getting chased by somebody or whenever they have to do something and they're filming like an action sequence. Uh, somebody trying to get a high score and people hyping them up around an arcade machine. And I thought about like, that's a challenge for them to make this an exciting 
film sequence, right? This like to turn that into an action scene, but they, they, did that in a couple of creative ways. Okay, so what I mean by like it tricked me was I wasn't expecting the sucker punch at the end of like the emotional sucker punch of, oh my gosh, this is this is what has been driving this kid. This is why he's carrying around this lunchbox. And this is why this spot is so important to him. Yeah, like the reasons spot. just hit you and just, oh, this is why he's like that. It's not because he's mentally unstable or something he's traumatized for something that happened it's significant you know yeah it's like the whole movie you're like you have all of the pieces except one and the whole movie you're just searching for this one last piece and when you find it you see the whole picture you're like what's in that box kid what's in that box what's in that box what's in that box and you know what the movie plays with that too because halfway through the box spills out and we see what's in it but we still don't learn the total significance of it so you get you get get just enough to know what it's for in a lot of scenes they easily could have left the lunchbox off screen or just like in the room he's playing games with the lunchbox in the casino it's between his legs as he's playing what how how deeply do you think the to what degree do you think the lunchbox represents his sister it's everything like that's that's all he has of her besides memories when they find out like what it is even Corey, like fred savage's character is like huh i would never guess that was in there because nothing exists like her shoe is in there from the accident Mm. from that day like that's even more you're carrying around your sister's shoe in this box along with pictures of like when you were happier uh, a better time of like when they were all together they were happy as a family losing a sister changes the, the dynamic of jimmy and the whole family without them saying it they had to get a divorce right because of how mm-hmm. jimmy was acting and you know she eventually met this other guy who is a dick by the way it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> she never like just stops him though like the worst thing she says to him is like stop eating like yeah, he's the worst put your kid in institution Oof. put him in there it's like Oof. what's the kid doing to you <laughs> like, yeah i don't i did not like that guy <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely got the sense to him, to Jimmy, he was carrying around Jennifer's soul in that lunch right you know like like that was his inspiration that was what kept him going is that he needed to put her to rest in some way and i i think it's fascinating that he leaves the lunchbox behind in the end when he when he finally reaches the the inside of the dinosaur yeah and he i, I believe he le- he takes the picture out and leaves it against the does he take the picture of the whole family and leave it against the the uh lunchbox itself i don't even remember i think he does because he like takes one last look at it and just puts it down but he definitely just walks away from the lunchbox he doesn't need to carry it anymore. He doesn't feel the the responsibility or the need to carry it, literally carry it around with him, carry this. He probably feels some sort of like guilt or something for what happened. And he doesn't feel the need to carry that anymore. And I think that's a really poignant ending. If I remember correctly, the older brother was supposed to be watching them. And I believe she drowned and Jimmy couldn't swim. Yeah. So he watched her drown. He couldn't do anything of it. So that's yeah. why he's... That's why he's traumatized. And then over the years, it's like it's hitting him. Yeah, it's his sibling or anything. They said that they were twins. So that's even more of a bond that they share. Yeah, it's it's an unimaginable tragedy. And they they just sort of like hint towards it at the beginning of the movie. And, and like we were talking about, it pays off the way that they reveal it at the end. It's not like mm-hmm. this gotcha moment. It's it's just a perfect way to just show you the, the last bit. This is Jimmy. This is how Jimmy became the way he is right now. Because they, they could have opened that lunchbox and it could have been an AI in there controlling him and be like, oh, he is a cyborg. That's why he's so good. 
And you would have been oh, like, man. oh, huh. <laughs> yeah, or what if he, he had some sort of device that just like wirelessly speaks to arcade machines and makes the, <laughs> the numbers rack up? That's his wizard power. <laughs> okay, so Christian Slater is the consummate teenager. He's just, you want like a teenager in 1989. Christian Slater is it. Everything about him, he's got the long hair. He's got the laid back attitude, man. He's... <laughs> And he's just like a really good, solid older brother. Fred oh, Savage. Oh, he's solid older brother and laid back. That's uh, how we lost Jennifer. <laughs> oh, okay, fair, fair, fair. Yeah. But he is idolized by Fred Savage. Like he is, yeah. to his living siblings, a good older brother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think his character has any interaction with Jimmy. That's true. That is that is very true. They're in the same scenes together, but there's no conversation or anything with them. I, I wonder if Jimmy just hates him. You know, it's a kid's movie, but you can't show it. But like deep down, he hates and despises Nick. That's a good point. Maybe Nick also feels like a sense of guilt and he's dis- distancing himself yeah. from Jimmy because he, it like reminds him of that of that day. Man, that got that got dark. <laughs> got deep on the wizard they didn't even know they didn't even know yeah man but like i did it just speaks to this movie being really uh i don't even know the word for it it's, there's a lot going on if you you know a lot of people are like oh this movie's stupid blah blah but it's like it's a timeless classic that holds up me talking about it with i've seen this movie a hundred times i have a different viewpoint on it now because i'm having a conversation with you about it I never would have thought about that if I didn't if I didn't watch it the other day and had this conversation with you. I would never have thought about any of this with this movie. I've been like, oh yeah, the wizard. Oh, that's great. That's really <laughs> good to hear. Yeah, we want to like unlock new perspectives on some of these movies. That's definitely what I'm trying to do. So that's that's exciting yeah. to hear. I yeah, like the fact that this came out in '89. It's it's. I think I've used this term a couple times. It's very much a time capsule. It's a very honest representation of what 1989 was like. It doesn't hide any of its blemishes. Yeah, the the best time capsule is that's how video games were. There wasn't there wasn't I mean there was internet then, but like not as streamlined as now. Like when they revealed that they were playing Super Mario Brothers three, everyone flipped out because no one knew. Yes, I remember seeing this movie in the theater uh, when I was oh, six wow. years old, Joe, and I lost my mind when they revealed Mario three. I didn't it wasn't even know there it, was a Mario three. Right when I saw it. I was already playing Mario 3. Or, you know, I was playing Super Nintendo and Super Nintendo. It didn't have the same effect on me. I was just like, oh, video games, yeah! That's an amazing to hear from your perspective that you saw in the movie theater at the time just was like, you were blown away. Because something like that, nowadays, they would have put that reveal in the trailer. Yep. And you would have been like, oh, whatever. Dude, this was, I was a Mario Brothers fiend too. I played like Mario Brothers with my older brother all the time and my older sister. And then Mario 2, I loved because I could be the princess and she floats. She's like the the best character in that game. So I played, I played those games all the time. When this movie came out, I was really excited about it because I knew just it was about these Nintendo games and arcade games that I loved. And I'm telling you, like when when it got to that scene where they reveal that they're playing mario brothers 3 i was like there's a mario brothers 3 it just my six year 
old brain <laughs> couldn't take it. I, I haven't seen this movie since then. And I'm so glad that you brought it on because going back and watching it, it put me instantly back in that mindset, that nostalgic mindset of like that six-year-old sitting in the theater. And I definitely had a bad misconception of this movie. Anytime I had thought about it between then and when I finally watched it uh, today, oh, I just remember this being like a commercial for Nintendo. Right. Like it just being like a commercial for Mario Brothers 3 ultimately. Like that was the whole thing. Which is and like, still, still pretty cool though that they yeah. made an entire movie to premiere Super Mario Brothers 3. True. That's insane. True. It wasn't even a commercial. And it was just like, boom, here's this movie. And even if it is that, even if I'm totally cynical and just write it off as that, it, the, the makers of it gave it a lot of heart put a lot of effort into it and got some like you said really good casting that does it a lot of favors because even in this podcast we were talking a lot about a lot more stuff before we even talked about the video games Mm -hmm. we were talking about so much more of the movie before we even said oh hey double dragon yeah (laughs) (laughs) because you are a gamer because you're a game fan and and i am too i I kept a running list of all of the games that appear in this movie thought it'd be fun to like kind of go through them one thing before i go into the games themselves i want to ask you in 1989 does fifty thousand dollars sound like a realistic prize for something like video armageddon i want to say yeah because yeah. I, I want to say, yeah, because I remember Saturday morning cartoons and you'd watch these kids that win like the Toys R Us shopping spree and they would get like a thousand dollars. Yeah. And whatever you get, in the, whatever you get in the cart is yours. And it's just like, what? <laughs> or like guts or like any of those. Yeah. A lot of yeah. those had, had pretty big prizes. That's a good point. So that's, it, that's those, a good those were like 50,000, but they were, they were, you know, worth going for these prizes. Cause like what legends of hidden temple and stuff. Oh, even Nick arcade. You were watching Nick arcade growing up. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think they were like, they gave away bikes, games, mm-hmm. and like, it was mostly vacations, if anything. Well, you know, now that, yeah, now that you put in that, in those terms, this is sort of like this video Armageddon was in a sense, kind of like an early E3 because they premiered Mario Brothers 3 at it. And if if this event had that much clout, that a game that big from Nintendo could be premiering at it, this is where they're revealing it. Like that's got to be a big deal. In the movie aspect, you say, hey... Come to Video Armageddon when $50,000. You don't even say there's going to be a premiere. Like people are like, $50,000? Like we got to see that. That's a lot of money in 89. And like people are going to go. And then they go and they see Mario Brothers 3. There's no no price that you could put on that to go, I was there when they revealed that game. Like if Mm. Video Armageddon was real... Like this, it wasn't even just a movie. It was like a documentary. That's an amazing experience. For some people, and I don't think, I don't say this as a joke or an understatement, but for some people, that's their moon landing. Right. Witnessing something like that. That's their Woodstock. Something big that like happened that you were, you go, hey, I was there for that. That's like a cultural milestone. Right. Like that's something you never forget. So Joe, I wrote down a list of these games that appear in this movie. And I just, I kind of want to see like which of these you've played. So Double Dragon is one. We, we talked a little bit about it. Yeah. Ninja Gaiden. Yes. I, I I own a lot of these games. Yeah. I still have the um, We see Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers 2, and Mario Brothers 3. Which is a nice little foreshadowing, too, if you think about it. It's like they showed both previous games. Mm-hmm. And then Double Dragon was the first game they showed, right? Yes, it was. 
Yes, it I was. almost wish it was Mario Brothers. I almost yeah. wish Nick was playing Mario Brothers first. Then they were like, oh, here's Double Dragon. The beginning, the first part would have been one. The In the middle, they would have shown two. And then right at the end, it was like, boom, here's Mario Brothers 3. Well, one thing that kind of gives him an edge during that competition that they play the groundwork for is, is the game that Christian Slater is playing is Mario Brothers 2 because that's already like in the console. So out of the games that he had access to, Mm-hmm. Mario Brothers was one of them that he was particularly good at or had a lot of practice at. So that set him up to have uh, some kind of edge when Mario Brothers 3 was the surprise reveal. Like it wasn't completely out of his wheelhouse. Right. You have the list. Like I didn't write down the list, but I wanted to see if I could remember. So let's yeah. see. It was Double Dragon. Yep. Rad Racer. Yes. It's Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3. Yes. Then it was Zelda 2. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarrely, yeah. I think there there was a little bit of Ninja Gaiden here and there. Ninja Gaiden. And he was very good at Ninja Gaiden, actually. Well, I want to call BS on that scene because Haley was like, oh, he didn't even take any damage. And he had two health points missing. Ooh. There's a lot of there's a lot of that in the oh, we're doing this in the game. It's like they're not even at that part in the game. Yeah, there was a point in the competition where they're like, oh, he has to start over at level two. And on the screen, it shows level one. Yeah, it's and still it's like, world oh, that, one. Guys, that's an easy editing, editing yeah. mistake. Come on, let's. <laughs> <laughs> I, the same I say thing I'm, when uh, he was playing Ninja Turtles. He was like, yeah. oh, I'm on level three or whatever. And it's like he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I say this on my podcast that like uh, the early episodes are very amateurly edited. So <laughs> take this, take my opinion with a grain of salt. <laughs> oh, I did. You know what I did write down? The movie... Okay. A lot of people praise Ninja Turtles 1 and 2 because like the movie happens and it takes a while for Ninja Turtles to come out mm-hmm. to like be seen. But like once they do, they make like a grand entrance. You don't see the the first game doesn't get played till 16 minutes into the this movie. True. And that's another weird one where it's like we're going for a high score mm-hmm. to Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Yeah. It's very much an adventure game. Like the yeah. point is to like survive it till the end and see like the it's, ending it's of it. It's in there, but at the same time, it's like, eh, it's just yeah. a score. Okay, so some of the other games here, Donkey Kong, RC Pro-Am, F1 Dream, and Rad Racer, of course, and Contra. Oh, yeah, and yeah. There was this game in an arcade called China Gate that I've never played, but it was in like the, the very bizarre kids casino at this, at this in, Re, in Reno, Nevada, the world's biggest little city. That's what she called it. Yeah, I'm like, I'm looking at a little gameplay right now. Like it is one of those like bizarre looking games. Yeah, I didn't recognize it. I've definitely never played it. And the last game that I lo- I actually looked up a list to compare my list, and I was missing one, which was Mega Man 2. I didn't see it. I didn't catch it at any point during the movie, but apparently that was also in there. Oh, man. I missed it. I think it's, I think it's a scene when, uh, I want to say it is when Corey is like being all badass and has his glasses on and he tips the girl. (laughs) He's like, keep the candy coming. I want to say that's when the Mega Man 2 was being played. Okay. That's definitely where I saw China, uh, China gate. So there very well could have been uh, Mega Man 2 as well. I have another video game question for you, Joe. Okay. When Jimmy is in this competition, he's playing Mario Brothers 3. This is the the world premiere of Mario Brothers 3. Nobody has seen it or played it, except for apparently Fred Savage, who seems to know <laughs> a couple of secrets about Mario Brothers 3 that he now, shouts to Jimmy in the middle of the game. Haley does too. And yeah, controversy. 
I also wonder, <laughs> I almost wonder if, you know, when you go somewhere and you tip someone a good amount and there's like, hey man, like you come back and they're like, yo, free, free whatever on me. Uh-huh. Haley was on the Nintendo hotline for a very long time. True. And she told them, hey, my guy, the wizard is going to the championship. He's going to win. Give me every info you got. I wonder if he said, hey, they're going to reveal Super Mario Brothers 3. But at the same time, she was surprised by a game they've never played before. Yeah. Like, it's a little... Yeah, like, they were calling foul when, yeah. when they revealed that. It's a hard... Like, I'm trying to rep... I'm trying to say what I want to say, what, mm. you know, made sense to me. But, like, if anyone could just, like, write into us, be like, what you guys think of, like... Please do. Tell us it's, it's like It's like a little puzzle. Of, how do they know? Is this how they knew? She's mad that they don't know. Joe, let like, me run something by you. What's that? What if it was a front? What if... They got tipped off, like you're saying, by the video game hotline operator, right? Yeah. Which totally tracks. I'm with you on this theory because they were they showed a lot of scenes where Haley's calling him. He's got coffee. He's like wearing different clothes because he's going through all these binders. He's spending hours and hours trying to help her out, answer all of her questions. So what if he gave her a hot tip about Mario Brothers 3, gave her some insider information, and she had to pretend. Her and Fred Savage had to pretend. Right. Right? So so to do that, they pretended to be angry. They were like, oh, how dare you? Uh, this surprise game, we had no idea, you guys. What? Yeah, because it's it's like, in, the, in this movie universe, was Mario Brothers 3 announced? Mm-hmm. And just no one played it yet. It, you only played it at Armageddon. Oh, it's a game you've never played before. It's like, oh, it's Super Mario Bros. 3. It's like, all right, we knew that was coming out, but like no one's got our hands on it yet. Yeah. But like, yeah, like did they did they just get tipped off? Did he did he have a grudge against Lucas? And he's like, I know Lucas is gonna try to get in there. Mm. Use the use the warp. <laughs> Oh man, we are yeah. Listeners, please write in with your theories. We want we want to we want to get an answer on this. <laughs> get There's, the star, I'm, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do they know? Well, I, I the star thing maybe they figured out through watching the other player get the star instead of the flower. Maybe they figured out that it yeah, was I a guess higher it's one score. Of, yeah, it's one that's of those reasonable. It's like oh, the star is worth more than a mushroom or a flower. But like Jimmy knew, do you know, like we can unpack the particular secret that he uses to win because I've used it in order, like I've, when playing Mario Brothers right. 3, you know, so can you describe it? Because for him to know about this is wild. Yeah, for him to know to go, oh, I'm in this castle. I got to get the raccoon suit and fly yeah. above the door. While you watch the other people, they go in the door. They have no knowledge to fly over it. And it's it's a classic secret. It's like the Contra code or, you know, a wall you find in Zelda. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I literally a have a <laughs> Wild Bill's mug with a copper mug with the Konami code on it. But it's like one of those classic, either you knew about it or you didn't. What a strange thing to know going into the competition. Right. Interesting. That's such a big deal. We've blown this thing wide open. Joe, I, I remember I found out about that secret from one of my friends at school, literally like at recess one of my friends was like dude i found out about this cool thing i read about in in nintendo power or something like that and he was like listen like this is you have to get the raccoon suit and you have to go to this level and you have to make it to this part and then you fly up then you get this warp whistle i remember like being so excited to go home and try it and i tried it and i did it that's how i found out about it we didn't have the internet so right (laughs) recess was the internet it's so something so simple like that i miss conversations like that like when i was growing up there's all those little conversations 
questions like like you had. I remember when Pokemon was out. I was in elementary mm. school or Final Fantasy VII. Like they would make these kids would just make up wild accusations. It was like, oh, <laughs> if you do this, this, and that, and go to SSN, you could push the cart, the truck, and you get Mew. Or oh. Luigi is somewhere hidden in yeah. Mario sixty four. Or it's like you could bring Aerith back in seven. Mm. What's some other? Uh, it was like the three main ones, like it, or if uh, in Mario Brothers three, if you collected all the whistles and used them all at the same time, you go to a secret world besides mm. like eight. And it's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. And I think it's I think it's a fun like fan theory about this movie. But I would like to know if like anybody if anybody has. Any- Why do they know that the warp is in Mario Brothers three? Because <laughs> I can't I can't imagine accidentally discovering that nobody right, that I know. No. In that short of a it. period of a time that they have, what, like yeah. 10 minutes maybe, 15 minutes? Nobody I knew found out about it other than like through Nintendo Power or through like somebody telling them about it because they found out about it from somebody else. Like that's, I would that's, love to see the flash animation where it's that scene mm-hmm. and then Lucas loses and goes, you guys are cheaters. And he, call, like, <laughs> he calls them out. There's no way they would know that's there. Lucas then, is the uh, Billy from Karate Kid. In this movie. <laughs> Jimmy just gets stripped of his uh, Armageddon title. He loses the 50K. And it's like it just goes to Lucas because all three of them were caught cheating. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a little detail in this movie that I wrote down because it, it was when they were in Universal Studios and there's like a tour guide driving one of the, the buses, the tour buses. And he mentions that they were looking at the filming studio for a movie called Mayhem in Monte Carlo, starring Zsa Gabor and Pee Wee Herman as the romantic leads. I looked up this movie and I could not find it, Joe. Is this now, something that they just made up for this scene? I wonder if Pee Wee's Adventure was out. Okay. I was going to say, I wonder if it was like the Pee Wee's Adventure like stock. When they make a movie, they don't say, oh, we're filming Ghostbusters. They make up another name so they don't have to pay higher fees and stuff and like you kind of hide uh, it. I'm, I was also, I was like wondering if that was Pee Wee's, but Pee Wee's came out in 85. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I would, to, I would have to look up. But. Is maybe like Mayhem in Monte Carlo is like a bit in Pee-wee's playhouse, like in the Pee-wee Big Adventure movie, and they film what maybe they're like referring to filming. You know how uh, Angels with Filthy Souls is a movie that only exists in the Home Alone universe. You know, they filmed a scene of it for Home Alone because it's the clip that plays. Maybe this is a thing where Mayhem and Monte Carlo is a movie in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I don't know. Yeah, because like there's a book, but then like if I, if I, if I like look it up, someone timestamped it for exactly <laughs> it is one hour 18 minutes and 38 seconds where they say starring zaza gabor and Wee herman in the romantic leads <laughs> it's such a funny line out like, of context yeah. and then who's paul meaners how about that maybe if i look that guy up paul who paul meaners i'm not Meaner. sure because it says sure. Paul Meaner's next motion picture, Mayhem in... But Mayhem in Monte Carlo is a book. Hmm. This mystery goes deep. See, this movie, this this very simple 1989 movie about Mario Brothers 3 and the Power Glove is actually... Yeah, who's this, who's this Paul guy? <laughs> like, nothing comes up. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, okay. So I, so, I, I'm, so I definitely think it's just a fun little detail that they had when writing the script. Yeah, let's, like, make up a movie that Pee Wee Herman and Jaja Gabor would be romantic leads in. That's really fun. <laughs> funny there well, is there is a zaza she does visit him there is a clip that he visits her for christmas in a christmas episode oh okay maybe so okay zaza was definitely on Wee herman 
There it is. Okay, well, I'll need to I'll need to follow up on that. I'll need to watch the Christmas special of Pee-wee's Playhouse <laughs> and see Zaza Gabor. <laughs> there is, Joe, there is one robot in this movie, definitively, unmistakably, is a robot in every sense of the word. It's during the Universal Studios tour. You might call it an animatronic more than a robot. <laughs> still say, I would still say, you know, well, that, that's still say a robot. Like, it's, that's my question. Is Yeah, is, is this King Kong robot? animatronic king kong absolutely is this it's, a robot? it's it's got the ai it's got it's, it's got the wires it, it's got all the parts for being a robot it's not just going to do that stuff by itself you have to program it it's got all these functions all these buttons it is 100 a robot i agree i agree and and it's uh thematic because of you know of course donkey kong it, mm-hmm. it kind of gives us this like visual language of like donkey the, the kids traversing this um scaffolding with this giant gorilla just sort of like swinging its arms in up in the distance and it's kind of like a neat little i think it's a subtle little nod or homage to donkey kong uh i would say another update to everyone that this movie does take place in universal studios Mm -hmm. i don't remember when they announced it but they are building a super mario land in universal studios oh man so it's kind of kind of goes hand in hand now like it's i know it's been such a long time but they they are building a mario land cool (laughs) have you been to universal studios i have not i've been to disney two or three years ago for the first time okay joe i think if you're a movie fan Mm-hmm. You would love Universal Studios because I don't I don't know which of the classic rides they still have. Right. But the King Kong ride was really fun. The Jaws ride was was a blast. There is a good Jurassic Park ride. They have some they still have some of these like kind of cheesy but fun on rails cart rides where there's just animatronics every once in a while that pop up and, and just. Rawr. And <laughs> when I went to when I went to Disney two or three years ago, a lot of the rides are animatronics, which is kind of yeah. disappointing pointing but it's still you know i want to see it i want to be there so at the same time there's also like the universal studios islands of adventure mm-hmm. where they have like the 4d spider-man ride and, yeah. that, and like that's really cool but but i don't know i you know what this is kind of like a thing a theme in robots versus dinosaurs like the animatronics are kind of like the old outdated ones but they still have this charm and then you oh, got like course. all this high tech like vr stuff kind of like we were talking about with, with which Jurassic doesn't Park. you know it all that stuff is cool and all but it doesn't have the same nostalgic classic feel like when i went to six flags they had spongebob 4d they probably mm. had it there for that one year and then it was gone yeah you're, you're going to universal that stuff is there for yeah ever you know to an extent and i think like just to tie this in some kind of for this movie I think the the fact that the this movie features a literally tangible dinosaur like a, one that doesn't move one that is not animated in any way it's one that that a kid touches he sits mm. on it when he's when he's young and he and it creates this memory of sitting on the toenail of this colossal dinosaur statue with my sister, with my whole family as the sun is setting. And it's this beautiful memory that he has because of this tangible thing. There's something really cool about that to me, something really big about that that has stuck with me and like to with you like it's yeah. really this movie has stuck in your mind. And I think that image is, is a big part of it. Would, would you agree with that? I would say the same way Jimmy feels about the dinosaur is how you feel about King Kong because you've physically been there. You've been on that King Kong ride. 
And when you see it in the movie, you go, hey, I was there. I know that. Like, wow. There's a lot of scenes where they're walking around Universal. It's not just like, oh, they're inside. Oh, you see a lot of stuff. Even like the monsters, like I believe the mummy. I think the mummy was in there. I think there was a werewolf and it definitely was Frankenstein. Yeah, uh, I was following the bad guy. You get that sense of nostalgia, like, oh, I've been there. Like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, I guess for a lot of people now, Spider-Man would be the best example because there's a lot of movies in Spider-Man where he's in Times Square or he's somewhere mm. in New York and you go, oh, I've been there. Like, wow. Or even uh, recently, The Joker, I believe was in Brooklyn. I want to say it was Brooklyn or Man- uh, Manhattan where they had those I think stairs. It was the Bronx. I think the, it was Bronx, the Bronx, the Bronx. Where they had those stairs and everyone went there. That's in my neighborhood. You feel that yeah. connection. Yeah, that's true. Shout out to grandma for taking me to Universal Studios when I was like seven years old. For real, like definitely forming a lot of those really fun, cool early memories. This was a, such a fun nostalgia trip. This is a good example of why I love robots, why I love dinosaurs. I love this movie. I, I really did. I would and say... I'm glad that uh, I revisit, revisited it. I would say the one robot that's missing from here, I, I don't even know if he was outdooring. Rob the robot, I kind of wish was in here. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be a really cool. I also, you know what I would have taken is like if they had had a scene with the power mat, what was it called? The Oh uh, yeah, for track and field. The track, track and field pad. Yeah, the track pad. <laughs> that thing was amazing. Joe, I have two bonus questions. Yes. Okay, first bonus question. Joe, this is a section of Robots versus Dinosaurs called What's Your Snack? Joe, What's your snack? What's my snack that I'm currently eating? Uh, sure. So in the context of what I usually ask is like when you used to go to a movie theater, did you oh. have a favorite snack or did you bring in snacks? Because I sometimes sneak snacks in. So, but, And is there like a, a movie snack that you have at home now that you have to watch movies at home all the time? My grandmother, we, you know, we used to go with her all the time to the movie theaters. And you know, grandma's got big purse. You Shout go to grandma. <laughs> go in, you go to uh, like Kmart or Bradley's or something, Caldors, you get the candy, mm-hmm. put it in there, and you just walk right in. You ain't gonna check grandma for no food or anything, you snack up. No, what are you, uh, a monster? You're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> search grandma like she's a criminal? I remember my cousins wanted to see Bring It On. My uncle wanted to bring us to go see it and I was like, all right, let's go. I remember for no reason getting popcorn which, you know, I love popcorn and getting Mike and Ike's. I love Mike and Ike's. That's my snack is Mike and Ike's. But for whatever reason, I took all the Mike and Ike's and put them in the popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) So I would just, I was just mixing them. I would just grab it with my hand, just eat it. I don't know why. I've never done it again, but that happened. (laughs) A lot lot of my guests talk about mixing like snow caps or M&Ms with popcorn, but not Mike and Ike's. You're a maniac, (laughs) Joe. You're a maniac. (laughs) I am definitely like a big fan of fruit candies, like Sour Patch Kids. And my favorite thing is Australian licorice. And I talk about it a lot in a lot of episodes, but uh, I actually had, I watched this movie back to back with another movie that I reviewed today, which was Rocky Four. Yeah, so I'd had like half a bag of licorice with that movie, so I finished the bag when I was watching this. You gotta watch Rocky Four before they take the robot out. (laughs) Yo, I know, we talk, oh my God, we are so, um, it was my friend Steve, we are both so upset about it. Listen listen to that episode for more of my thoughts on it, but man, I was so, I'm so upset. It's not right, that that robot's a very important character in the movie. Yeah, and what I said to you on Discord was that robot represents how stupidly rich Rocky became and how they just bought whatever without even, they forgot where they came from. I think that's such an iconic thing in that movie. Whether it's it's like, whatever, yeah, yeah, like if if you think it's stupid, that's fine. But like, that's what it represents. 
yes, his excess. And it lays the groundwork for his downfall in Rocky V when he's bankrupt because he he spent so much money on mm-hmm. frivolous things like a robot. <laughs> and even for himself. For Pauly, who's so Pauly. ungrateful. I could talk about Pauly. For, I, I almost talked about Pauly for that whole podcast. I could talk about him for this whole, for like another hour. I could talk about Pauly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Listeners, we need to start a petition. Hashtag save Seiko. Hashtag save the robot. He has okay? a name? Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. Look into this. Actually, we were circling about around a little bit how this movie circles around talking about Jimmy, right? In the context of him maybe being a little bit on the spectrum or something. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my guest, Stephen, told me that the robot in Rocky Four was developed as a, I want to say like an autistic interpreter in some way. Like, like it would, ha- it was designed to interact with autistic people to sort of facilitate interacting with them in some ways mm. because it just had more ease of communication or something like that. So it wasn't so, just like a prop in Rocky was an actual functioning well, robot? The story is that, that Sylvester Stallone, one of his kids is on the spectrum oh. and that's how he knew about the robot in the first place. So it's even more baffling for him to take it out of the movie <laughs> since it has like such a touching backstory, right? Now it's product placement too. What are you doing, Stallone? What are you doing? I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. What are you doing, Stallone? Keep, keep the robot. Hashtag save the robot we need support on this i have one more bonus question joe yes joe i know you said you said unequivocally early on in this podcast that you would not replace any of the actors in this movie it's perfectly cast but i have to ask you because i ask every guest if we were to replace two of the characters in this movie with uh jaja gabor and Pee Wee herman no i'm just kidding <laughs> but we should but we should play that game but but the real question is danny devito and Whoopi goldberg which two characters and how would it improve the movie Whoopi goldberg would be hands down the villain Ooh. she she would be the guy that goes to capture the kids and bring them back putnam yeah putnam i feel like she would fit that role perfectly she's just a bounty hunter oh god that's perfect i say that and that one scene wouldn't even work then where putnam gets in trouble for touching her breast that scene wouldn't work that scene is wicked crazy oh my god she'd be like i'm a woman too what are you talking about like oh goodness yeah she just she puts her nun outfit on she's like i'm a nun i wouldn't do a thing like that yep putnam is a maniac in this movie but having having Whoopi goldberg play him would definitely like soften the blow on a lot of the weird stuff that he does i oh wow i'd almost i'd almost want Whoopi goldberg as that character but she's a nun and jimmy and Corey got out of foster care like in problem child where he's in the nun's foster care or whatever okay okay where she's trying to get them back because <laughs> they uh-huh. escaped and then she finds out oh wow they're gonna win fifty thousand dollars for the lord <laughs> oh man yes dude this is yes we i think we i think we're writing the sequel yeah there so you go or you know we gotta reboot everything where are we putting DeVito? DeVito, oh man. It's like, I want to say like the host of Video Game Armageddon. Oh, that's inspired. But that's not enough screen time. True, true. But like Jimmy, where he says a little, but he says a lot when he does it. Yeah. Just a little cameo, it, DeVito, that could work. It's like, yeah, but like, I, I also want him like. Fred Savage, you want him to be Fred Savage. Just <sighs> you could say, it, it's Corey. 
No, no. I, I, <laughs> I want to say Bridges' character. He was he was a cool dad in Matilda. <laughs> you know, he didn't okay. give a he didn't give a damn about stuff, but like he was a cool dad. I could see him as a dad figure in this movie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if oh, you want yeah. me to replace the kid characters with adults, uh, let's get a <laughs> Sean Penn in as uh, Jimmy. <laughs> Sean Penn. Oh goodness. <laughs> And then we'll get the other we'll we'll get the the other savage kid to play uh, Fred Savage's parts. Perfect, perfect. (laughs) It could also be Dustin Hoffman because this movie is basically Rain Man Junior. I think that's what it was going for in in a lot of ways. Well, Joe, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. For thank you for having me, dude. This was really fun. (laughs) I'm glad that we talked about this movie. This movie really is more a lot more touching than you're expecting it to be. It's a lot more deep and emotional. Yeah, you're expecting it to be when you when you hear about it. So if you have not checked out this movie, you know, I, I, I'm not going to apologize that we, we spoiled it. You <laughs> That's know what, what this is for. We're here to have a discussion about it. But like, yeah, we assumed that you watched the movies. But but if you haven't, if you haven't, I'm not mad at you. And I just want you to watch it because it's really good. And I want if you, you have to a have bad taste. It's like if you have a bad taste in your mouth for this movie, I think you need to rewatch it again. Yes. Yeah. If if you were like me and you had a limited memory of it being just a commercial, a two hour commercial mm-hmm. for Nintendo, that is not true. And it's actually a very heartwarming story, a good family brother story, road movie. It's a lot of things and it, and it's really entertaining. Joe, do you have any final thoughts on it before we wrap up? Uh, go see I want to hear the, your, like your final. Like, go see the wizard. <laughs> uh, there's a lot like we've talked about a lot that I don't think other people would even bother to unwrap this movie. Like we'd even we didn't even touch on the villains. There's a lot of villains in this movie. Let's like, okay. Let's spend a couple minutes on that. <laughs> there's there's the th- the two men in the truck that they're supposed to have the writer's code, and they legit Yo. steal over what hundred dollars from these kids. This movie has a lot of like just adults robbing kids. Yeah. There's the stepfather who does not care about Jimmy. Yep. He wants him away for whatever reason. And there's the three video heads. And I, I've seen, like I said, I've seen this movie a hundred times. I cracked up when they're in the diner and the video game head has the hat from that he took. And like that yeah. whole scene just like cracked me up, like the, his reaction. Yeah. And then Putnam is like on a whole other level. Like I wrote my notes, he he pops the tires of Bridges and their car, and they have like this battle, and he's like, "You're a maniac!" It's like you started it, you legit started it. Slash two of the tires on their truck with your (laughs) knife, and then you like wielded the knife in their face. He's crazy. (laughs) I wrote that in my notes. Haley is super impressed that Lucas has 97 games and knows all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Savage keeps looking at Haley while Lucas plays, but Haley is so turned on by Lucas using the power glove and his 97 video game knowledge. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Man, in 89, you could not be cooler than having Ray-Ban sunglasses and knowing 97 Nintendo games. I would like to, I would like, if people are messaging in, I would like to know how much do you think Putnam is getting paid to bring Jimmy back? Good question, because it has to be worth all of the damage to his car and all of the, he pays people off for small favors he paid, and stuff. He paid $50 to get that, the car towed. It has mm. all the damages, you know, whatever food, whatever. Yeah, what's his per diem? And his gas. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote one of the most baffling things to me in this movie 
<laughs> Drill me bananas. You see Putman a lot of times on a payphone. Mm-hmm. But there is one scene where he's just in his car on the phone. <gasps> it's in like 1989. Why is he using the payphone sometimes, but other times he's just in his car? Like, was it just edited wrong or does he have a phone in his car? I would, you know, I would say, Joe, that it's like cost cutting because like the pay, the car phone is obviously going to be more expensive than a pay phone. So I'd say, you know, he's being thrifty, he's being savvy, but he's not being thrifty in any other situation. Right. He acts like he just has money to burn as though like this kid, this is actually, okay, this is an interesting facet of this movie too. Another layer that it's operating on. Everybody in this kid's life is trying to use him for profit. They, we never find out really. Well, we do. We don't never find out, but we don't for a long time find out whether Jimmy cares about this video game tournament, whether he wants to go to video game Armageddon or not. It's Fred Savage, it's Corey driving him towards it and Haley giving them the idea that like they're going to make $50,000 off of his efforts, right? And I don't even think the goal is for them to get $50,000. I think the goal is to get to California. For Jimmy, it is. Right. For Jimmy, that's the goal. And yeah, so like they're in a way exploiting him to make Haley wants, I think Haley wanted like 10% or something. <laughs> I think she wanted half. I'm pretty sure she wanted yeah, to split it. It was, yeah, it was some number. I think it was 10% or half. Or it's like She's a savvy businesswoman. But um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the other but the other thing is Putnam. Like Putnam's trying to make money off of this kid. To yeah, him, he's I just a know he's just how much he is getting paid. That's a very good question. I want to know too. Listeners, please write in your theories on this. Anything, anybody that can give us a number. There was one scene that just drove me bonkers. They have two confrontations with the cars battling each other. In the final one, Bridges is like kind of chasing him, but like stops because he's driving away. But then Putman is at a red light and they're just like, I feel like he got far away in the next scene. It's like, he's right there. You can like, go mm-hmm. get him. It's just like, <laughs> what a weird editing to just have like the light red and he's just sitting there. You could throw a rock and probably hit his car. <laughs> Yeah, there there are moments where the stakes are remarkably low in the movie. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a weird balance, but but it balances in the end. I think it has a good strong ending. Yep. And I do like I land on I love this movie. Is this movie a plus one or a minus one for robots and for dinosaurs? A plus one is because it's, you know, it's a little bit of a dinosaur at the end, like I said, but it's such a significant thing to this movie. It's not like, oh, they played an arcade game and a dinosaur. The dinosaur has everything to do with the ending to tie it all together. The robots in this movie, you know, the animatronic King Kong, you know, I wasn't even thinking about that until you brought it up. Because I was thinking, you're like, oh, you know, were the robots in this movie? And I was like, oh, you know, the AI. Because like, I would think games is like AI just like as a robot. And then you totally brought the animatronics and you're, I was like, oh, wow, you know, there's more robots in, in here too. And mm-hmm. that's a big scene too. Cause like, that's a, a chase scene getting away. Like before they get to Armageddon for the final, Jimmy! Yo, he makes an entrance. (laughs) I love this. I love this movie. Plus one for dinosaur robots and dinosaurs. (laughs) Excellent. Well, again, thank you for bringing this under my radar again, having me rewatch it and getting to talk about it with one of its biggest fans. This was really (laughs) fun for me. I really, I really loved this. Joe, I talked to you a bit about this before we recorded, but I would like to maybe run this by you on air. I want to, I want to try to have some sort of discord gamer get together for robots versus dinosaurs fans you know for anybody that is like also a gamer that is looking for other gamers to connect with and like play uh, online games 
games with or like competitive or cooperative games with. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to have some sort of like small community for that because everybody's kind of, in these times, everyone's looking for ways to connect. Right. And I think that could be a good possibility. And it's, o- it's always nice to have newer venues to get into. And it's, you know, I've known you for a long time. It's just like we instantly click. Yeah, we're doing the Ghostbusters thing. It's just like that's how when you guys listen to our uh, podcast, you're just going to instantly click with us and feel like you've known us forever. You should just get in this discord, play games or whatever. I would say if you get enough people do a movie night, do the wizard, have a drinking game. Every time they say California, everyone in discord, take a shot. (laughs) Take a sip. (laughs) They say California a lot of times. I want to know the number. I was going to count it. It's like, oh, but I want to rewind it and. I want to sit there and just enjoy it for its full. But like having like a Zoom call, like doing like yeah. a big or like a Discord call and like having a big drinking game with a bunch of other people or like if you don't drink, that's cool too. Just like if you want to join in yeah. and hang out, like that'd be really, I think it'd be really fun. And I think a lot of people would be into that. So yeah, let's put that together. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. But thank you again for your, for your time today, Joe. Thank you for having me. So <laughs> great. Uh, we've said that a bunch of times, but it really can't be said enough. And I definitely hope to have you back on a future episode. Yeah, if uh, anyone wants to write in what suggestions we should have, like I'm going to think of something. I'm going to run it by you. I Another legit was thinking. I was legit thinking all the land before time. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> well, we uh, we we did cover the first one on a on a previous episode. You, you can only check got that one out. What do you got? Thirteen or fourteen more to cover? <laughs> yeah, there's. I counted thirteen total. There may be some more in the works, and I think there's like a series that I have. Definitely a series. Yeah. Yeah, but and there's a lot of a lot of source material, a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of lore. I would say, if I was to come back, I would either want to do maybe Ernest Goes to School, Ooh. or the Computer Wore Tennis Shoes with Kirk Cameron. Solid choices. All right, those are I think some good teasers for future episodes. <laughs> Let's talk about those in the future. Joe, thank you again for coming on today, and thank you for having we'll talk. Me. All right, thank man. You. Hello. <laughs>